equity of up to £150 million. You're in the theatre, fine, you're here to win games. We want to try to reduce this gap. I think that uh, a good team has to be good uh, to recognize uh, different phases during the game. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 102. We are coming at you midweek, and that is not something that we normally do, but uh, there's a lot of news going on, and we don't want to have to cram it all into one podcast later this weekend. Uh, we, we got you last week's podcast, episode 101, a little bit early. Uh, so we figured, why not come back midweek and uh, cover some of the news? And Caroline is here to do it with me at CG Stefco. Kaz, what's going on with you? Not too much. Uh, just coming off the afternoon of watching the women's team and the cup. You know, lots lots to discuss with the women's team today for sure. And I guess I'm I'm happy that the men's team is finally getting some transfer action going on transfer action and a win we've got a we've got like i said it feels like we kind of just potted but it's wednesday here in the states wednesday evening uh the 25th and we've we've got plenty more to talk about as you mentioned transfer dealings uh the men's team did play monday they picked up that one nil victory at craven cottage um so that's that's cool we'll talk about that as well but you brought it up let's start with the women's team because they just played today in the League Cup, uh, suffered a 3-1 defeat and get knocked out of the League Cup to Chelsea. But as you said, there's a lot to talk about with this game because it kind of looked like a whole new Tottenham Hotspur women's team. Like this looked like a re- this was a really good performance. And I know people who may not have tuned in and, and, and watched will say, well, they lost 3-1. What are you talking about? But this was way different, Caroline. Tell us why. It was different because we got our first look at Mana Iwabuchi, our new lone player from Arsenal. Uh, and I, you know, I think we weren't really expecting her to start necessarily because Rianne had, had mentioned in her press conference that, you know, she's not up to match fitness because she was not getting many minutes at all with Arsenal. Um, but she, she started, she looked great. I felt like every time she got on the ball, it looked like something was going to happen. She was linking up well with her teammates, even though they've, you know, just barely gotten to know each other. Um, And the one thing that I was really excited to see from her was her, um, her vocal presence on the pitch. You know, she was directing other players, demanding the ball, just really bringing some of that experience and leadership um, that we, we had hoped she would bring, you know, as one of the, I guess you could say veterans of the league. Um, but just to see her meshing in right away was so encouraging. Um, and, you know, I can't wait to see how she and Beth England continue to work with each other as the season goes on. Um, and, and we have to also remember that this was a game where Ash Neville was suspended. So once we add her into the mix, I think that's going to be um, also an improvement to, you know, the performances we were seeing before, before the holiday break we're undeniably just not up to the standard. Um, but the, the couple of games that we've had since the break, I've felt like there's been an improvement. We're going in the right direction. You know, these two transfers that we've made have already improved the team um, and they're just getting started. So good signs. You know, I wish 
we we had an opportunity a few times to score um, in the first half and you know if one of those shots had gone in it could have been a different game but you know I think losing to the uh team that <laughs> is always up there contending for titles and, and cup trophies you know is not not the most shameful thing yeah Chelsea women currently sit second in the WSL and um and and Spurs women have not won other than in the league cup uh, since like what what is it now uh like November or something or late October even I think it is so they've lost mm-hmm. a lot a lot of consecutive games in the WSL this is something we've talked about and and have fallen fallen down the table a bit to eighth and but you're talking about a Chelsea team that's 19 points clear of them in league play and they I feel like they held their own especially in that first half you know the the first mm-hmm. goal came in this game 38th minute from who else but Sam Kerr and it was kind of a lucky goal almost it was just a bad bounce I really felt like Spurs deserved more from the first half um, and you know Chelsea showed their showed the talent gap I felt like in the second half really um Spurs lone goal came from Drew Spence in stoppage time to make it 3-1 but uh I thought this like like you said I thought this was just more of what it's supposed to look like and and with a little bit more continuity can look like going forward for the second half of the season the other the other big thing that that the news from the the Spurs women's side this week was their game that was postponed this past weekend against Leicester because of a frozen pitch and it it kind of speaks to what went on throughout the WSL. There were three total games postponed, one of those of which was started and then aborted. Uh, that was what, United? Was that United and Chelsea? Or I can't even remember now which game that was. It was Liverpool. Liverpool. And at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. At Liverpool at Chelsea. And that's a problem. Like that, that speaks to the quality of pitches that we're seeing being played on in the WSL and was something that we thought was going to be addressed more at the start of the season. And this is now, I think, the second or third postponement that's, that that Tottenham's women have had due to pitch simply due to pitch conditions or waterlogged or frozen or something like that. Um, what what's got to give to change this? Because that's that not only is a, a pain in the ass for fans who are wanting to plan to go to these games, but it's a pain to reschedule these games and fit them into a schedule that's already set in stone. It's same as it is for any other league. Right. I think that's the question that everyone is asking right now, not just Spurs fans, but, you know, across the league, because it it gets to be a point where certain teams are at a disadvantage because they have so many games to fit back into the schedule. You know, Spurs are definitely in that position. We've played one of the games that have been postponed already that got rescheduled before the break. Um but, you know, we've got the United game that was supposed to have been on the first weekend. And technically that was from the Queen passing away and not a weather issue. Sure. Um, but, you know, it, it all adds up. And I think the, the big question is just when is this professional top flight women's league going to be treated as such? Um, not just by the clubs, but by the FA as well. You know, there's there's got to be all the stakeholders working together to find a solution and you know, one idea that I've seen floated is in these winter months when you can expect more of these postponements to make sure that the schedules are arranged so that the games can be played in the club's main stadium. Um, and, you know, of course, this is only a solution for teams who um, also have a men's side who is in the Premier League and has one of those nicer stadiums. Um, so, for example, you know, Reading are the one team this season that do not have a Premier League counterpart. 
but they actually have a pretty decent stadium, I think, you know, by championship standards. So it just would be nice to see um, a little more cooperation, I guess, in that aspect, because I, you know, I've, I've heard from Spurs fans who are saying that they're thinking of canceling their season tickets for the women's team because they, they don't have any guarantee they're going to be able to go to these home games. You know, sometimes they get rescheduled midweek and then they're not, you know, as convenient. And um, I think there's just not been a real, um, what's the word here? I think fans have not been real impressed with the, the ground at Brisbane Road. So it's, it's disappointing because you don't want to be discouraging fans from attending at a time when the game should be growing. Yeah, there's no question about that. It should be growing and it's not able to when you've got so much uncertainty placed into where the team's going to play, when they're going to play. It, it, it is interesting, we, we, just thinking back to this weekend, for example, Spurs were, were supposed to play that match against Leicester at home and the men's team was not home this weekend. They obviously played on Thursday away at Man City and then uh, on Monday away at Fulham. So I don't know what other events could have been possibly going on at the stadium that would have need, been needed to move move around. And there's obviously a question of quit pitch quality. If you're going to have two teams playing on a pitch, you, do, you don't want that to become an issue over the course of a long season. Um, but with all of the technology involved and all of the, you know, especially for some of these bigger, better grounds like Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, you know, I know there's talks about renovations that need to be done to Old Trafford or, you know, but I mean, I would think a stadium like Stamford Bridge could handle it. I mean, there's just there's tons of opportunities here to get these games in and on really good, high quality pitches. Um, you would think that the little a little bit more effort would be done there. I know, for example, at at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they they they're able to roll in multiple pitches on into that stadium, roll them out you know, do the kind of treatment. I mean, hell, they hold NFL games there with a turf field, you know, with a with an AstroTurf field all the time where they just roll in. I mean, the technology I feel like is there. And even if it's even if it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, I feel like that's a little bit of a challenge that would be worthwhile in order to get uh, these women's games on a, a proper field, a proper pitch um, going forward, which would be good. But hopefully we cross our fingers that you know, Spurs do return to action this weekend in the FA Cup uh, against London City Lionesses, and that game is a home game and hopefully should go forward. So we'll cross our fingers that it does. That is this Sunday, uh, the 29th of January. So we will look forward to that. And we'll be able to talk about that one on our next podcast as well and see. I I'm, I'm interested to see if this kind of positive performance in a defeat could translate into maybe a positive performance with a lopsided scoreline the other way against what should be a lesser opponent in the, in the cup match. That, that will be something that I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, anything else you wanted to get touch on with the, with the women's team before we move on to talking about the men? Uh, no, I think just as far as the, the FA cup game coming up, we're playing, you know, London city lionesses and they're, you know, doing really well in the championship this season, but they just lost their manager um, she has chosen to, to leave, to go work in the NWSL as an assistant with Angel City. So it's kind of going to be interesting to see how, how that team is reacting to the loss of someone who they had been really successful under. Um, and we're going to have a boost with Ash Neville coming back after her suspension. So I think it, it's set up to be um, potentially a really good performance for us. 
I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that a lot. Uh, I'm not sure we could say that it was a really good performance from Spurs men on Monday against Fulham, but it was a performance that that resulted in three points, a one nil victory over Fulham. And I, I don't know how you felt about this game, Kaz. I, I was able to watch this game on my phone for I, I was I was I had a very really very busy day Monday that involved a a trip to the emergency room, which I won't get into. Uh, but I, I watched this game on my phone and it was um, it, it was it's fractured was the only word that I could come up with to describe the way that this game played out because it was kind of extremely lackluster and you get one moment of brilliance from Harry Kane just before halftime. And that was that was pretty much all it, all they needed, I felt like against a team in Fulham that had not only been playing well, but I thought was going to give us way more fits. So I guess from that, I can take positivity. But other than that, this was just kind of like grateful for the three points. Let's move on and not think about this game anymore, right? Yeah, it's a bit ironic that, you know, Harry tied the goals record in such a, you know, not memorable game otherwise. (laughs) Um, But I think we can be a little bit encouraged by the improved defensive performance. You know, we... This is what our sixth clean sheet of the season, which is kind of wild to say at this point um, that we only have six clean sheets. So I hope that trend continues. I think the offense was still, you know, just not not looking very linked up overall. But we've got some players who we know are out of form, um, not necessarily at top fitness. You know, I think like with Kulisevsky, He's, he's usually such an influential player, but he looks like he's not quite at his uh, top level at the moment for me. So. Well, and, and I feel like on the other side, you know, Hyungman's son gets credit for an assist in this game and also had a yellow card. And, and also I feel like still did not, did not have a good game at all and stayed on the pitch until the 76th minute uh, when Richarlison finally came on and obviously this is something that we're going to be able to talk about more at length when we talk about the transfer uh, news of the day, but it, it, yeah, you're right. The offense just didn't seem to want to click at all. And the goal, when the goal came, I, I thought it really almost came off of a half chance. And I was a little surprised that Fulham were surprised at, at the shot. And it, it looked like it just came out of nothing. Um, it wasn't some brilliantly well-worked, you know, counterattack or, offensive set piece or anything like that it just it just kind of came and i was like oh cool that's nice it but it also in the moment it almost felt a little bit like fool's gold almost like the manchester city game from last week did where you take the lead right before half and you think oh well we'll see if we can hold on to this one but they did which was kind of nice and i thought i thought the second half was just workmanlike it felt it felt very just kind of ho-hum almost um Fulham Fulham did not, you know, Fulham produced 0.99 expected goals in this game, just barely more than Spurs. So it's like, but I I didn't, it didn't feel like an overwhelmingly uh, abrasive performance from Fulham that, that Spurs needed to withstand or anything like that. Yeah, I think it was quite a physical performance from Fulham, but that's the only thing that really stood out to me uh, from their, from their game. And I, you know, I've been saying that this game did not necessarily answer any of the questions that I've been having about the men's team. You know, I feel like the status quo is kind of maintained. Um, and I don't know. I feel like we're going to need to see 
what happens with the the new transfers, you know, one of which has been confirmed and one which is close um, to see if any of those issues are going to get ironed out or if we're still just going to be, you know, just kind of not not quite there, not quite where we want to be performance wise. Did you have any fears when when Carlos Vinicius came on that he was just going to tear Spurs apart and get, get some revenge because I'm not going to lie. There was a, there was a little tinge in my, in my heart of, Oh, this is, this is not good. This is, this is going to go poorly for us. I, I think he's, he always seemed like too nice of a guy to me to be very revenge driven, <laughs> but it would be just Spurs luck for that to have happened. So I'm glad it didn't. Uh, Spurs managed to widen the gap a little bit between them and Fulham uh, 36 points for Spurs. Now Fulham down to seventh on 31. So you, when you're fighting off Fulham for those European spots, it's a, you know, it's a good season. <laughs> um, all kidding aside, I will say I did think, and again, this is a player that we're going to be able to talk to talk, talk on a little bit when we talk about transfers here, but I did think Emerson Royale looked okay for a second consecutive game, which credit to him. I expected a little bit more out of out of William down that left side for for Fulham, and I thought that they were really trying with him. They were really trying to get him the ball, and he was fairly quiet. Um, both he and I felt like uh, Anthony Robinson, who you know U.S. men's national team fans will will know pretty well, were really trying to push it down that left side against Emerson. And I thought he, between he and Romero, I thought they were really having none of it, which I thought was was pretty good to see um, because that's always a, a side of the pitch where. I feel like Spurs are vulnerable. Not that they're not vulnerable in other places too, but I definitely think they're vulnerable down that end. And um, I just remember William when he was at Chelsea was always just a, a quick, uh, really sneaky, dangerous player that always seemed to seem to be more dangerous, I think, than he actually is. And and he was he was shut down pretty well in that match. And and honestly, the other player you always fear is is Mitrovic, I, and he was very fairly quiet as well. I don't think he had a very good game at all. So. Maybe just a bad game for Fulham. Maybe a little bit of credit to Spurs. Maybe six in one hand, half dozen in the other. But but Spurs get out of there with the point, and and that's kind of all that matters. Um, matters. It's all that matters to me, is, at least at this stage of the season. These are kind of I feel like the games that you have to slog through sometimes just to just to get um, just to get a victory, which I'll appreciate. And and like I said, move right along. Spurs are next in action on Saturday. Their FA it's FA Cup weekend all around. Their FA Cup game against Preston North End. Um, won't see Troy Parrott in that game, but we will see Spurs take them on uh, on Saturday. And uh, again, a good opportunity to advance in a cup. And, and we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about it on Sunday and hope that we're not, uh, you know, hope we're not lamenting that that fact. But it should be it should be a, a good opportunity for them to get going. And um, and then after that, it's back into league play. So and, and a busy, busy run of games coming up. Um, City, Leicester, Champions League tie coming up against Milan, uh, West Ham in there. So a bunch of uh, bunch of games throughout the month of February, which is fast approaching. Um, that kind of moves us into this conversation, which is really the reason that we're we decided, hey, let's have a midweek pod because there's a lot of news. Um, February is fast approaching, which means January is fast ending. But it is January 25th and Spurs do indeed with a week to go, a little less than that, I guess have their first signing of January. Arnott Danjuma, 25-year-old Dutch attackman, uh, left wing striker. We're not really 100% sure, but most I think mostly on the wing. Um, this is a loan deal with an option to buy. 
There are reports that it could be anywhere between 24 and 30 million euros plus add-ons. Uh, don't know who to believe, but those are the reports that are out there. Uh, this comes from Villarreal, and it's a really kind of a funny bit because this is a move that only developed really in the last week when Danjuma was made available almost to a number of English clubs. And it sounded like he was going to Everton this weekend, Saturday. It sounded like done deal Sunday. It sounded like even more of a done deal. And we're sitting here talking on Wednesday and he's a Tottenham Hotspur player. Now um, I, we don't know how any of this works, so we're not even going to speculate, but it is kind of hilarious that um, just, I just want to touch on a minute, the interaction that Tottenham Hotspur and Everton football club have had in the last handful of seasons between Deli Ali and Richarlison and now Danjuma. And it's, I, I, I hate to say, this is like, I feel bad, but this is tremendous content. Is it not? Yeah. I, I don't think we have any Everton fans listening, but if you are listening, I'm sorry. Like we think we're down bad, but y'all are really going through it. <laughs> I mean, I can't I imagine we, we've gotten yeah. the better end of the deal in these last few interactions. Like you said, <laughs> I, I can't imagine getting Delhi thinking awesome. This guy's going to help us stay up. He does kind of in some, he didn't really, I mean, he didn't really contribute that much to them staying up. It was more of a Charleston, but then we pluck Richarlison, uh, and, don't really play him for whatever reason when he's healthy even uh we, we you know we bring him on with 70 77 minutes on the clock sometimes but um that's been a weird a whole weird dynamic as well and now this latest when they're still battling relegation by the way they are in the thick of it sitting 19th as we speak um so yeah i just wanted to touch on that because i don't i don't think it's funny but in a way it is a little bit it's a little funny it's a little funny it's not a lot funny uh, at least to me. Um, what does this look like for Spurs view? Because this is a move that to me is not really enhancing a position where I thought, yeah, Spurs definitely need to go out and enhance in this month. At the same time, if this is a player that's going to come in and play on the left side of attack behind, or maybe slash along with a player like Kim Son, who we've talked about for weeks is having just a, horrendous season there's no two ways about it he's really really going through it if this is a player that either inspires Sonny's game up a level or can step in for Sonny and get some production out of that spot I'm totally down with it it just doesn't seem like a move that needed to be a priority maybe just a move a move of opportunity perhaps definitely seems like a move of opportunity um, if you look at our depth chart for left wing it's kind of crazy you know we have like I guess five players now who could, you know, fill that position. And it just kind of makes me wonder what, what where people are falling on Conte's pecking order um, for that position. And, and even if you think that perhaps he's a striker option, which has also been suggested, we know that Conte is not going to drop Harry because Richarlison's not been getting minutes at striker. So it's, it's kind of a confusing one to me. Um, I guess there's also questions about the player himself in terms of his consistency because, you know, we were looking pre-pod um, at his, his uh, stats with his past few clubs and it looks like he'll have a strong season the first season that he's with the club and then the next season there's a pretty steep drop-off. So I, I don't know. It's kind of hard to know what to expect. 
but he is technically a player who has Champions League experience, which I know from personal experience with Bayern, you unfortunately. Do. So, I mean, he's he is a, a potential game-winning scorer, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, he, for those who don't know, he was a very big part of the Villarreal squad that made a run all the way to the Champions League semifinals just last season and knocked out the likes of Bayern, knocked out the likes of Juve, uh, ran up against that Liverpool team, which is one of the best teams in the world and lost in the, lost in the final to Real Madrid. Um, that's all fine and well. He, he also, I remember when he was at Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago before he made his way over to Villarreal and he, he didn't strike me as a, a standout player, but he's also 25. And so I, I don't think we can say, oh, well, this is his max. I mean, maybe this is, there's, there's more in this guy that we don't know. Um, that's obviously, there's obviously potential for that. I just, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm not the transfer guy. I'm not the transfer guru. I, I certainly like, I like an opportunistic purchase when it can be made. We've seen that work out successfully for Spurs over the years. Um, but it, this almost feels like a Lucas Moore replacement than anything else. And that's if they keep him, you know, the, I think the important thing to note is that this is a loan with a buy option. That's a, that's a Tottenham option. It's a club option to buy uh, at the end of this season. So it's a short term. Let's see if this guy has anything. And then we, if we, if we want to keep him around this summer, we can for X price. Um, and I think that there's, there's really nothing you can lose in that scenario. You're just, you're, it's a rental to, it's a rent to buy situation. I know that's I'm talking about a human being here, but you, I think you get what I'm saying. No, I agree. I'm, I'm glad that it is alone so that we can kind of see if he's actually going to be a good fit. Um, because after this, you know, season is over, we might find that those other positions we talked about where we do have a greater need, you know, he might not be a priority to keep in the squad. So I guess I'm okay with us figuring it out. And, you know, with Sun underperforming this season, probably can't hurt to have another option there. But yeah, I just, I am hoping that we address some of the other areas of the squad that are, I think, a bigger bigger need yeah i mean you talked about the options that that spurs have now on that left side it, and granted they have they've played some of these guys more on the right side than other but push time to shove you could you could throw kulisevsky over there if you needed to we obviously have a charleston uh brian heel he's played more on the right but he could obviously go over there and then lucas who's obviously been hurt all season um you know parasitch on his way out and parasitch right parasitch can, can obviously play up there uh, on that left side as well. So there's there are a multitude of options. The one thing that that um, our buddy Dakota had suggested in our group chat was that Richarlison is more the Harry Kane backup and that he was coming on in a position late in games for Sun that we saw him play plenty at Everton, but he he's more the Harry Kane, you know, striker backup than anything. And that uh, Danjuma could potentially just be that more straight Hyungman Sun back up. So maybe that's the case. Uh, and and if 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 it's the case that Brian Heel backs up Kulisevsky, Richarlison backs up Kane, and Donjuma backs up Sun, cool. You got six players for three spots up front there. Let's all go and have a merry half of the season. But we got to see more from them because getting, you know, getting one goal like we talked about with the Fulham game and scraping by, that, that ain't gonna get it done against some of these bigger teams. Yeah, I, I was also just thinking that 
it might be interesting to see Danjuma playing up next to Kane in a two. Uh, but I don't actually have any faith that Conte will experiment with that because he's not proven open to experimentation lately. So, yeah. It would be interesting. I mean, he, but he's barely done it with Youngman's son, who we know has a good partnership with Kane. So, right. <laughs> um, and the one time he did, Sonny happened to score three goals in like 20 minutes. So, yeah, maybe we should try that again. <laughs> who, who, who friggin', who friggin' knows? Um, by the time you listen to this, uh, there could be another signing in, in the offing. Uh, and it's the one that we've all kind of really been talking about for, it feels like months, but probably just more than a month. And that's Pedro Poro. Uh, right wing back uh, from Sporting Club Lisbon. And this is one that is way more divisive for a lot of folks because I know that there's some, including our very own Shuban, who don't think that he has the size to play in the Premier League. I've also heard from other folks who think he is just an an offensive weapon, an absolute tank of a weapon in the right wing back spot. Um, this is a player who was, of course, previously at Manchester City, um but has been playing in portrait and we saw him we saw him when when spurs played sporting in the champions league um both he and marcus edwards tearing it up for for sporting um he's five foot eight i did look into this he is he is on the smaller side in comparison uh, emerson royale is 511 matt doherty and jed spence even who we have seen very little of are both six one so he is smaller than those guys but he is apparently fast as hell and is just an offensive weapon and and i don't know what his defensive prowess is but i don't know for sure that you need defensive prowess when you are playing in this in this type of system as long as you've got cover so the pedro poro deal for all in all indications say it's happening i mean spurs have either met the release clause or maybe even are going to pay a little bit more so they can pay it in installments there's all this there's been all this bluster about this damn release clause all month and we're like I said, 25 days into this window, and we're just now starting to really talk about getting down to brass tacks. But Pedro Poro, what, where are you with this? Um, we've obviously all pointed to, I think right wing back has been the one spot all season long where we've been like, what are we doing? Could this solve it for the rest of the season and, and maybe even going forward? I think it could. And as far as the physical element goes, I'm not so concerned about that, considering that he has, Romero behind him and Kulisevsky in front of him, two very physical players. You know, that's, I, I'm more concerned that he has the pace to be doing those overlaps correctly, getting the crosses in that we desperately need. You know, if, if he can do those things, he doesn't need to be doing too much defense as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so I, I think it'll be a good transfer. Um, and I'm mostly just happy that we're going to be signing a player who, is filling a position where we've 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 needed a change. I think you know Royale, like we said, he had a, a pretty decent game against Fulham, but he he's not been very consistent. And I just don't think his his quality of crosses is you know up to snuff. And okay, he has one goal this season, but we know that most of the time when he gets into those goal scoring positions, his finishing is just not there. So. You know, I, I like Matt Doherty for that position, but it seems like Conte this season, for whatever reason, has not trusted him. Um, part of it could be coming off the injury, but you know, we, we needed another solid option for this for this position. Yeah, I think people tend to forget that that Matt Doherty is still less than a year removed from a really devastating knee injury. Um, from well, that and honestly, Cash. 
Yeah, I honestly think also Doherty, we've kind of seen him play at his best on the left side anyway, so. Yeah, and it does bring in, you know, if if this deal does come across the line like we expect it to for Pedro Porro, at that point, you're you're looking at, honestly, you're looking at four right backs in the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about Emerson, Poro, uh, Doherty, and Jed Spence, and then two more on the left side with Perisic and Sessegnon, and Doherty can kind of go over to the left, as you mentioned. So that's a lot of depth. It does seem like Jed Spence could be on mm-hmm. his way out via a loan. Now, I, I don't want to bail on Jed Spence. I am not down for that because I've read too much about this cat and think that he is one for the future and really going to be, be something. But we all know that when the club signed Jed Spence, it was a club signing. It was not a Conte signing. So I think as long as Conte's here and look, I know what you're, you're listening to this in your, in your head right now. And you're thinking, well, that could be another two weeks. I don't know, (laughs) but for as long as Conte's here, I don't think Jed Spence is going to be part of the plan. So if we want to get him out on a loan somewhere, awesome all the rumors are that that could be happening within this next week and i would i would be open to that especially because i don't think you can have six players for for essentially for two wingback spots i think that's too many um even though the games will be coming thick and fast in this second half of the season we we've, we've spoken at that ad nauseum over the months because of the world cup being in the middle of the season the schedule is still wacky and there still is a lot of games to be played uh, here and we're we're almost to February, so I, I do think that that's something to to kind of look at uh, is is getting some players out. There's also been rumors about uh, Pat Matisar maybe getting a loan. I, I don't know. I've liked what I've seen from him in in the in the opportunities that he's gotten in recent weeks. I would be a little bit surprised if he went out. Um, and all of these would be straight loans, not loans with buy. I think these are all players that Spurs want to keep the rights to going forward and not, they don't want to sell them on. Um, but I don't know what, 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 what do you look at? What do you, what do you have on your mind in terms of outgoings for this final week? Well, what I've heard about Jed Spence is that it's Premier League clubs who are interested in loaning him. So I think that's great. You know, if he's getting experience at the, at the top flight, that's exactly what you want for a player who, like you said, is one for the future, is not necessarily in favor under the current manager. So I think it's the best thing for him, you know, for his own career. Um, even if, you know, he stays with Spurs or ends up leaving down the line, this can only be a good thing for him. And I'm, I'm with you on Sar. I would prefer to see him stay with the club for the second half of the season because um, even just in the few appearances that he had um, – in the last month, you know, I, I really liked what I saw. And I think he's definitely someone who can be trusted to get a job done in the midfield. Um, if one of our favored starters is, you know, struggling with an injury or just needs rest. So I, w- I would like to see him stay. I think center back wise, you know, Jaffet Tanganga, <laughs> he's one that we really need to think about what, what we're doing with him and, what's best for his career too, you know, like with Spence, I think it's, it's probably time for him to, to be in a different environment right now, as long as Conte is around. I fear that Jaffa Tanganga is going to turn into Cameron Carter Vickers eventually and just go out on loan every season and get sold in four years and go off and play in Scotland perhaps and have a good fine career. That's no dig at Cameron Carter Vickers. Uh, 
U- U.S. men's national team stalwart. But I mean, I, I just, I don't know that he's. Qu- I would love for him to kick on and be at this level. I just don't know that he's there. Um, well, and I, I think I would just like for him to get to the uh, Scottish Premiership portion of his career sooner than Cameron Carter Vickers did. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that, that was the thing with the Vickers. You know? is that with Cameron Carter Vickers, we all we, we all wanted CCV to like go do his thing and stop with the one year mm-hmm. here, one year there kind of thing. I think I think he ended up at Fulham even one year, and he was he was all over the place. Um, and the same the same may be in the future for Tanganga. Who knows? But it's interesting. I I did just Google uh, Jed Spence's name. You want to hear all the names, the, the, the teams that have been linked to him. And you're right. They're all premier league teams, but Leicester, Brentford, Southampton, West Ham. I mean, it, it's a who's who of potential relegation fodder slash. I think I saw Bournemouth in there, uh, relegation slash mid table teams in this premier league table right now that are looking to add a spark. And yeah, he could be that for a club and cool. I would be totally okay with that. The funny thing is that, you know, you you probably would prefer him to be at Brentford because he'd be under a great manager and Thomas Frank, but he might not get the playing time that he needs there. Um, So it might be better for him to go to one of those clubs that are, you know, in the relegation scrap where he can actually make an impact and kind of, you know, prove his worth. So it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. If you're going to send him somewhere, send him a little further down the table. I don't want to send him to a team that's only behind Spurs by six points. Um, yeah. It feels it feels like send him to Bournemouth or Southampton or you know Leicester somewhere somewhere where they really need the uh, need the boost and mm-hmm. and need to need to be able to stay out of the out of the drop zone. That would be nice. Um, in terms of outgoings uh, and really in terms of more ingoing, I mean we've talked about Danjuma and Poro. A week to go. I think the other thing that we haven't really addressed on the podcast is the man who is purportedly in charge of all of these things and Fabio Paratici, who over the weekend got some uh, disheartening news that he is no longer welcome to do business in Italy for the next two and a half years. Um, And all of that stemming from gesturing all that going on over at Juve. Uh, Juve obviously suffering a, a point deduction and there there's a lot we don't know that's i think all we can say we don't know what this means for paratici's future at spurs we don't know if this ban is going to extend into england or perhaps everywhere i mean it could be one of those things that comes out here in a few weeks a few months who really knows but i i do think that paratici has at least a you know he was at the fulham match on monday um, he appears to be doing doing his job, obviously, uh, making a signing today. And, and it looks like locking up Poro here within the next 24 to 48 hours. Um, I don't know what else will be incoming or outgoing over the next week, but I do know that it is complicated now with with Paratici's status. Uh, where do you how do we I guess the question I always ask here at the Tottenham Depot is how do we feel? I mean, we're getting feelings out here about this. How do we feel about this? Cause I think it's awkward as hell and I don't like it. Yeah. Uncomfortable. I think is the word I would use. <laughs> um, it's, it's a strange one. Cause like you said, we don't have all the answers. We don't know exactly what the impact um, of this Italian court ruling is going to be um, as far as like, can he continue to do business in England? Will he not be able to, you know, negotiate with clubs from 
Syria? I, I don't know. I don't think any of us know at the moment. But it, so for that reason, it kind of to me feels like his position is untenable. And Tottenham need to be thinking about a successor is all I'm going to say, because I have a bad feeling this is not going to end well. And obviously, and, you know, he's... he's he's had some successes. He's had some misses in the transfer market. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world if we part ways with him. You know, he's not. I don't think he's crucial to to our future success. Um, and maybe it maybe it's better to find someone who will do their dealings ethically. I don't know. I, I, I really wish we were able to have Todd on the podcast for because I, I guarantee he would be yelling and screaming at that. But I'm gonna let him do it as he listens because that's even better. He's gonna listen to this and 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 want to get in the group chat and immediately start a fight. And I I can't wait for that moment. Actually, I'm I'm gonna very much enjoy it. <laughs> um, and that's fine. Todd can disagree, but I I I he's the only one right now. I think among all of the Tottenham Depot crew that are really like fully so on board with both Conte and Paratici that any thought that they could be uh, moving on to greener pastures is just blasphemous. I do think it's interesting that this Paratici news, it, it, it feels somewhat linked with, he feels somewhat linked with Conte, but not like, it, it's not like if one goes, the other's definitely going either. It's very, there's a lot of gray area in all of that. Well, and you know, my, my personal feelings around Conte at the moment, like I'm, the Fulham win didn't really change my mind at all. Um, but it, it seems to me, based on the fact that we are starting to bring in some transfers, that, you know, I, I think the club has definitely made a decision to, to keep him on. Conte, that is. Um, so they the, the path of least resistance is for them to keep Paratici employed as well, as long as that is a legal possibility. I, I don't know if it's the right possibility or, or the right decision decision you know for other reasons but that kind of seems like the way the way it's trending well and and i can continue to go back to last season when i said you know those two signings that paratici was able to make in january kulisevsky and bentecourt led us to champions league football and from a from a much worse position than we were in than we are currently in in terms of chasing champions league football spurs are three points out of fourth place now granted United and everyone above them have a game or multiple games in hand, but they're, they're still in there. They're very much in this as bad as it has been. I think we, I think we all get a little bit hysterical at times talking about how bad things have been when maybe everybody just needs to blink a couple times, splash some water on their face and realize this club is in fifth place. They're three points out of fourth. They're in the FA cup this weekend. They're in the champions league uh, next month and into March in, in the knockouts. Uh, again, play, playing a team that, by the way, I watched uh, absolutely get thrashed this week. Uh, AC Milan, boy, I did a little little bit of scouting. That is a tough, tough watch right now. Hopefully it stays that way for, for another couple of weeks before we get our hands on them because I think Spurs should have a really good chance to advance out of that tie. And look, Champions League is, is, is there for the taking once again. I, I think I think Arsenal and Manchester City are definitely locks, but Newcastle, Manchester United, Tottenham Hotspur, Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, I mean, I, I favor us to get 
one of the two remaining spots out of that group right now, I think. Yeah. And, and, you know, Scott's always saying he's a cup guy and, you know, this, this actually feels like it could be a good year for that. So, you know, the F, the FA cup, I think is probably the most likely um, just with the way the, the draws have worked out, but who knows? Yeah. I'll certainly take a, a draw against, uh, against, Pre- and, and, isn't it the case that I think Arsenal and City play in the in the FA Cup next? Right. It, it's not just who we've drawn, but the other yeah you know, draws uh, so across the competition. Hundred percent. Look at look at that positivity. I knew I could. I knew I could pull I'm the trying. positivity out. <laughs> I knew I could pull it out of you toward the end of the podcast. That's mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, I, I am an optimist by nature, so <laughs> you are. You are, and 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 that's why that's why we all love you because you bring us a, that little bit of. A little bit of positivity that we need. No, I, I do. I think it's been after what was last week was like the sky is falling and then for the sky to have fallen and then for us to lose the way that we did to Manchester City, it felt like the sky not only fell, but, you know, was smothering some, us. yes, was smothering <laughs> us and choking us all to death. Um, it does feel like the news coming out this week is at least a little better and, and things can turn around a little bit more. So that would be. It'll be really great to see. We'll see. We'll, we'll we'll try to come through this FA Cup weekend and uh, and and make sure that that's still the case. So we'll be back with you guys Sunday to talk about all the FA Cup glory and um, hopefully some more transfer stuff because obviously two signings would be nice. Three would be better. Maybe even four. I mean, look, if you guys want to go find a, a goalkeeper for the future and one or two center backs, that'd be awesome. You got. You still got. I was just gonna little, say, yeah. Karachi can redeem himself redeem yourself but you still got time it's it's, keeper swap (laughs) that 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 clock is ticking but it is uh it is not expired the uh the 31st is not until next tuesday so we we've got time to do all of these things which is really really good um that's going to do it for us here at the tottenham depot thanks to caroline at cg stefko for joining i can be found at a stedka you can follow us at tottenham depot leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice little bonus midweek action. Thanks for doing it. We'll be back with you this weekend for more right here on the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>